This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. Coming up, we'll get a snapshot of the lower mainland real estate market with our agent on the ground, John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. He'll give us his insight into what's going on in the world of real estate. But first, it's some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. A retail giant is picking up stakes and leaving Vancouver and all of Canada. Nordstrom's, the Seattle-based luxury department store, which opened up their huge store in Vancouver's Pacific Center back in 2015, is calling it quits in this country. Nordstrom's and Nordstrom's Rack will withdraw all their Canadian locations by this summer. While the Vancouver store was actually a pretty strong performer, the company notes that its Canadian division overall has been in the red financially every single year since its first Canadian store opened in Calgary. It marks a huge change to Vancouver's most iconic retail space on on Granville between Georgia and Robson. Before it was Nordstrom's, that Pacific Center space was Sears, from 2002 to 2012. And before that, it was, of course, Eaton's. And that building was specifically built for Eaton's back in 1971. No word on what's next for the space, which is just downstairs from us here at CKNW. But considering that the store was actually one of the best performing Nordstrom store in their entire chain, it probably means that there will be some other retail names who would like to be there. Vancouver Mayor Ken Sims says double-digit property tax increases will not become the norm after City Council passed a budget this past week containing a 10.7% hike this year. It's the highest property tax increase in Vancouver in more than a decade, but Sims says in a statement that it corrects artificially low rates approved by previous councils. Nissan is recalling more than 800,000 SUVs in Canada and the U.S. due to a key defect that can cut off the engine while the vehicle is moving. The recall covers certain rogues from the 2014 through 2020 model years, as well as rogue sports from 2017 to 2022. Nissan says the SUVs have jackknife folding keys that may not stay fully open. And that if the driver uh, has them partially open, uh, the driver could touch the fob and inadvertently turn off the engine. You're probably seeing a lot more electric scooters and e-bikes zooming around the lower mainland. And UBC civil engineering professor Alec Begazi thinks the province needs to act quickly to update the Motor Vehicle Act to catch up to these new modes of transportation. He says electric scooters, e-bikes and other devices need a speed limit to ensure safety and infrastructure needs need to be uh, designed with them in mind. Bagazi says people using e-bikes and e-scooters can mix well with regular bicycles in Vancouver's bike lanes, but he's concerned about conflicts with cars and pedestrians. And the man who's credited with inventing the cell phone 50 years ago is reflecting on his creation and looking to the future. Martin Cooper made the first call on the bulky brick Motorola cell phone from a Manhattan street on April 3rd, 1973. 
the 94-year-old Cooper is optimistic that future advances in mobile technology can still transform human lives, but he's a little worried about the risks that smartphones pose to privacy and young people. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and coming up, we're going to talk real estate, guiding us through the opportunities out there in the world of real estate as 2023, it's hard to say because it's hard to believe that it's actually 2023, starts to unfold in the lower mainland. We'll talk to John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer, and it's time to talk real estate. And it's hard to believe that it's March already, but it is. It's a time when the real estate market uh, starts to pick up. The action starts to happen as the spring kicks into high gear. And to help us uh, take the temperature of the real estate market in Vancouver, our man on the ground, in the trenches of the Vancouver real estate market for more than 25 years, he has sold more than a thousand properties in all the different areas of the Lower Mainland, not just one pocket. He is, of course, our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. You can find him online, johnnysmartpoint.com. Hiya, John. How are you doing? Hey, Martin. I'm doing great, and it's uh, you know fantastic again to be back with you now that we're in the spring, if we yeah. are in the spring. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. I mean, I, I keep having to check the year, 2023, because it sounds weird when I say it out loud. <laughs> but now March. I can't believe it's already March. Well, the snow, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, but, um, you know, I guess we, we really can't complain. And the interesting thing about March is, and we've talked about this before is it's a significant month in, in real estate because it really signifies the, the kickoff, if you will, of the spring market in greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, where December and January tend to be, you know, slower months on pause to some degree. And, you know, March is the time when, when things really get started again. And, you know, if if you don't mind me sharing something else, um, today being March 4th is, is also a significant day to me and my wife personally, because it was 28 years ago today that my wife and I met. And uh, now, you know, we've been married for over 27 years. And, uh, you know, it's a day that March 4th is, uh, you know, a day that I'll never forget. And so it's it's interesting personally. And also, you know, from a real estate point of view, things are underway. Wow. That, that's, that, congratulations on that. You know who, who uh, celebrates an anniversary today as well? Margaret Trudeau and, uh, and Pierre Elliott Trudeau. They got married on the day you and your wife met, except back in 1971. So it's, it's kind of an Wonderful. important day. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I, I, you know, it yeah, is to me. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's very nice. Congratulations on meeting your wife today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, you know, in, in just getting prepared to, to talk to you today, it, it occurred to me that, you know, um, you know, a lot of the elements that go into making a successful long-term relationship, marriage, a personal relationship, those sorts of things. I think a lot of the listeners will kind of recognize this. A lot of those, those key components that go into that success are the same components that really go into the success of, you know, a real estate career um, and the success of a real estate agent like myself. And, 
And by extension, of course, and that is the measure really of a successful real estate career uh, for an agent is the success of that agent's clients and their transactions and that sort of thing. So, you know, it really got me thinking, being on a personal note this particular week, um, you know, what is it that listeners out there want to think about? If, if, if somebody's saying, hey, I want to buy a property or I want to list my home sometime in the next few months and, you know, I'm, I'm going to hire a, a professional to represent me, let's say, in the sale of my house or property, you know, I, I might want to interview some professionals. Um, and, and if I do, what kind of things am I looking for in those, you know, professionals? So that's really been on my mind at the beginning of this year as I, you know, reorganize myself and I prepare for, you know, what's coming in the spring market. And, and kind of, you know, as an aside on that, I also had um, a, a, a somebody I know, you know, talk to me very recently about um, what I would call a classic bad experience with a salesperson. And I, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about real estate, but, you know, in sales, um, you, you know, people sometimes lump all salespeople together, even though I see myself less as a salesperson and more of an advisor. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a, a, a situation recently where, you know, someone told me about the classic bully that pushes their way in and, you know, tries to manipulate and only ask the kind of questions that will help him gain leverage to dictate terms and doesn't really want to listen to anything else, doesn't want to share information until a commitment's made. And it's kind of like one of those sign here right now and bad mouths everybody else. And I thought to myself, okay, this is a great example, uh, you know, for, uh, for us to maybe talk about in the context of what is it that serves the client in a real estate transaction? What are people looking for? And, you know, in this program, I'd like to maybe share some of those things because I think I have some really good insights for, you know, people looking to get on the market in the near future. Right. Well, let, let's, let's talk about that in, in just a second. Cause I, I want to, I want to get into that because it sounds uh, really interesting because there's probably a lot of people who are, are thinking of selling and they're thinking of, well, who do I call? Who do I help? Or who, who do I get to help me as an advisor? So, so hold that and let, let's have a quick recap of what the market is doing. Um, there's some new statistics out that, uh, that the the sales were up in January, but they're also historically, on average, kind of low. So what what's the what's your your take on the on the market? You know, as of March fourth. Yeah, you know, let's do our market update because that's a key part of this program that we do every couple of weeks. And again, you know, March is going to be significant, March, April, and May. But looking back on January and February, we saw two months with historically low sales figures in the real estate industry locally. Um, and, you know, we're looking at 10-year averages. And if you look at January, I think we were close to 50% under the 10-year the average for January sales. And in February, it might have been more like 35% under the 10-year averages for the number of sales. So, yeah, the, you know, the, the industry has changed, as we've talked about. Interest rates have gone up. Affordability is, is, a, is a, an issue in real estate. Um, but on the other side of the equation, as we've said many times, being a supply and demand industry, the listing inventory has been pretty low. There's not as many people putting their houses on the market as average for, say, January and February. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the statistics show that in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, this February of 2023 was the slowest uptake of new listings on the market. Uh, in 27 years. 
So wow. we haven't had a lot of sales, but we also haven't had a lot of listings. And, and that's resulted in a market that's kind of remained relatively flat in terms of pricing. Because, you know, if the supply is lower and the demand's lower, the, the pressure situation, the leverage situation stays about the same. So you're right, Martin. We've looked at a, at a bit of a slow start in terms of sales and listings. But, you know, as again, I've mentioned before on this program, the, the real estate market for any given year is generally, you know, it, st it starts to be defined in March, April, and May. So it's going to be an interesting few months where we're going to see what happens in terms of new listings, how many new listings hit the market, and then what what the absorption rate of those listings in terms of how many of them sell, because that's going to determine the trajectory of, you know, the market in terms of activity and of course, pricing. Mm -hmm. And uh, who knows, maybe this is a good time to get in. If inventory is low, it means there's less competition. Um, I mean, would, would you say that it might be a good time to jump into the market to sell your ho home right now? Well, you're talking to a salesman. So yeah. <laughs> of course I'm always ready, <clears throat> excuse me, for, for people yeah. who say it is time, but, but let's talk about that because that's probably the question of, of the day, Martin. And, and all I can do again, not having a crystal ball, all I can do is, is relay what I see in my experience and, uh, and what I hear from other people who I'm working to, whether it be mortgage brokers or, you know, insurers, other salespeople, brokers, you know, I, I tend to keep a pretty close, um, you know, in, in close contact with these people. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> to answer your question, excuse me, what I what I see there. Um, it can be a very good time to be on the market right now. Uh, but, you know, the, the question is, uh, uh, compared to what? Compared to back in the heat of the market? Well, if you're a seller, no. But compared to what might be coming, yes, it could be. Because um, here here's another little little fact that I got um, statistic from talking to um, another uh, mortgage broker I deal with. According to the CIBC, fairly major bank in the area, uh, and this report just came out recently, they say that 20% of local uh, mortgage holders who have variable rate mortgages no longer qualify to uh, make the payments at the higher rates on the homes they already own. So, you know, there's just one little inkling and statistic that says, you know, and, you know, and quite frankly, I've already had a client or two that have said, we're going to sell or we have sold because we can't afford the new rate. So we might see these changes in the market and the interest rates going up affect supply because, you know, there are people out there who maybe can't afford to make their payments anymore, or maybe their fixed mortgages are coming due and they're going to have a new, you know, payment to make. And, and uh, so I think that as the spring market goes through, we're going to see people who have waited for the snow to clear away, waited for Christmas and all that kind of thing to be over. And they've said, like a lot of people do, Martin, spring is the time. The flowers are going to push out of the ground. I'm going to get my house on the market. And right now, as you say, there's not a whole lot of competition and pricing has a lot to do with the supply and demand ratio. So if you're asking me, is it a good time to sell? It very well may be compared to the end of May when if the uh, sales absorption stays relatively low, but the listings finally start to bloom, you may see that you've got a lot more competition down the road. So these are the kind of con uh, <clears throat> excuse me, conversations that I have with people who ask me these very questions, Martin, is it the right time for me? And my job as an advisor, you know, is not to make decisions for them, but it's to bring my experience to the table and give them the information that I have 
and you know and let them make a decision but but you're right martin that question you asked me is timely it's the question of the day and and time's going to tell what happens in the next few months in this market so perhaps if you are thinking uh, about selling a property, you might want to get a hold of John. You can go to johnnysmartpoint.com. It's J-O-H-N-N-Y smartpoint.com. Uh, you can also send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, 604-612-0080 is the number and uh and it, with the minute or so that we have left in this segment um because i, I want to get back to the the whole idea of what it takes to, not only to be a successful real estate agent and an advisor to your clients but also um to to be uh a, a real help to, to your clients. Do you know, I think the word advisor is very important. And one thing that uh, I hear from your clients all the time is that you don't rush them. And if somebody calls you and uh, has some questions about selling a property, you're not just going to push them into selling that property if they're not ready. No. And, uh, you know, that goes back to the story. And I guess we'll talk about it in the second segment about a bad example of what a salesperson in any industry might do. Um, but again, my job is to is to help. Uh, if I'm hired, I'm there to represent my client's interest. And right now, quite frankly, Martin, a lot of people don't know which way the market's going. Some people think maybe it's going to pop up or level off. And again, it remains to be seen. So these are discussions that I have, you know, with my clients. And I invite anyone who's thinking of buying and selling a home, you know, to um, call me, interview me, and we can talk about it. And if you decide to work for me, I'll do a good job. Mm -hmm. And the people that we talk to, they always say things like, well, he kind of became part of the family. He was like a friend. And, uh, and, and I, I think you, you must love hearing that. And also, uh, I love hearing that today is the anniversary of the day you met your wife, which I think is just lovely. John Carlson is our guest. It's Vancouver consumer. I'm Martin strong, and you can get a hold of John at johnnysmartpoint.com. And you can also send him an email at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And when we come back, we'll hear about what you don't want from a, a real estate advisor and what you do want. And that's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and this is Vancouver Consumer and we're talking real estate with our friend John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint and you can find him online, johnnysmartpoint.com. John has been in the real estate market for more than 25 years. He sold more than a thousand properties all over the lower mainland. And uh, it's a very important time of the year for John because not only is March uh, the time when the real estate market kind of gets on its feet, the spring is happening and the market heats up, but also today, the 4th of March, he just revealed that today is the day uh, years ago that he met his wife which I think is great. And I love how you're, you're kind of comparing how you, you keep a relationship healthy and growing uh, to kind of uh, how, you, uh, how you work in the real estate market as well. Yeah, and you know, thanks for bringing that up again. It, 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 it definitely occurred to me, as I said earlier in the, you know, in the previous segment, you know, my eyes were just kind of open to the fact as I started thinking about this, I, you know, I have this significant milestone, my wife and I do, and, uh, you know, 
personal relationships take work and they take commitment and these sorts of things. And it occurred to me, you know, there's a lot of similarities here. And then also getting a call from, you know, somebody I know and talking about a very bad experience that they had uh, in terms of, uh, again, I'm not talking about a real estate, I'm not slagging any realtors here, but um, from a salesperson who was very manipulative. And it just all kind of gelled to me that, you know, listeners out there who are thinking about buying or selling a home and want to hire a professional, you know, they they might not mind hearing my thoughts, at least in terms of how I approach my business and what I think is important. Because again, you said it, Martin, having, you know, uh, success in a, in a relationship and a business relationship, there's a lot of similarities there in what you need. And I think one of them is, you know, for, for people, I think people, a lot of people who tell you they've been in a long-term relationship for, you know, 27 years or 28 in our case, will say that one of the key crucial components is having the right partner. And mm -hmm. it occurs to me, you know, when you're selling a property, you want the right partner with you. Um, and, you know, you also brought up in the previous segment that sometimes the, the many agents, I don't know how many, there have been dozens and dozens of agents who've called in and, you know, gave me a good testimonial and told the listeners that, you know, they might want to consider working with me because of the results and the process. Um, you know, these people, you know, often say the same thing that I've, I've become almost part of the family. And I recognize that when I get into business with people, you know, you have an agency relationship. So I owe all my clients a duty of confidentiality, <clears throat> but you know, you, you do get involved in people's lives. Um, I work a lot of estate sales. There are families who, you know, have, there are a number of decision makers and, and, you know, you need to present to an entire family and take a lot of things into consideration. There's, there's a lot of humility involved, quite frankly, from my position when you come in you know, from a, from a place of service where you recognize people have a need, they have all kinds of opportunities to, to go elsewhere. There's, you know, everybody knows different real estate agents here and there, and, and that's wonderful. Um, but when they, you know, specifically call you out to sit down and see if you might be the right person, you know, it, it all starts with a, uh, a, a place of just personal humility, being there to serve and guide and give some advice and information. And you know what, Martin, open up that toolkit, I sometimes call it, because when you've been in the business as long as I have, you know, I haven't seen every situation out there, but I, I've seen an awful lot of them. And and, you know, I think that if if an agent like myself is smart enough to learn from the many situations, you know, he's been in, that when I meet with somebody new, you know, I've got that skill set and I've got that experience level and, and you know, the toolkit of all my, uh, you know, my, my connections to other professionals who may be necessary in the process. So I sit down there from a point of how can I serve these people? And, you know, I can tell you from all my years of experience, if you put the client first, you listen to them and find out what they need and what's important to them. And then you give them your thoughts about how maybe the best ways to consider going about achieving those goals uh, with nothing else in mind, that you get a good track record in terms of being successful. And so I'm happy to say when I meet with people, you know, most oftentimes they say, hey, let's go forward. So if they don't, I wish them well. But, um, you know, I always aim to make sure I'm fulfilling the role of an agent and, and owing my duty to them to, to work for them. Because, you know, let's face it, if if I go to a, you know, a, a car dealership, or if I want to buy something or get a service, and I have a salesperson that seems like, um, you know, he or she is first and foremost interested in trapping me, uh, because they want to get a paycheck as fast as possible, 
that's a terrible feeling and it's not somebody that I personally want to work with. So, you know, again, relationships, whether they be business or personal, um, understanding your role and understanding your place and being gracious enough to recognize your responsibility to the other party is really the starting point. Mm-hmm. John Carlson is our guest on Vancouver Consumer. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com is the website where you can see him. Uh, J-O-H-N-N-Y smartpoint.com. You can also send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And John, in the in the years that we've been talking on Vancouver Consumer, it's incredible how the market has changed uh, you know, month to month, year to year, the conditions are always different. And how important is it? You know, you talk about your toolbox and your skill set and your experience. You've been doing this for more than 25 years. I mean, how important is it to understand the whims of the market? I mean, it, it, it's funny how different the market is from where it was a year ago or two years ago. And you you can't use the same uh, tools in your toolbox for every, for every market. Cause it's always different. Would you say that's correct? That's absolutely correct. And, and also for individual clients at, at different times may have different needs, um, and, and different strategies and different styles that they want you to em- employ when you're representing them. So that's, that's a great point. And it comes again, Martin, back to experience. I happen to believe that, you know, there's just, there's no replacement. There's no, uh, there's no beating. There's no, you, you can't overestimate experience as long as it's, I guess, recent and cumulative. And and what I mean by that is if somebody's in any industry for 25 years, but, you know, if they're not learning as they go, they've got, you know, one year of experience 25 times where if you are adding to your repertoire and, you know, you bring a little bit more, I think, or a lot more of a richer skill set sometimes if you have that level of experience. So, that I, I think, you know, if I had to to kind of summarize what people say they want from me, uh, they say, John, I want somebody who's real. I want to be able to trust what they say. And I want skill and experience on my side because, you know, this is a big negotiation. Th- th- these are, like I said, maybe estate sales or maybe growing families who need every bit of equity they can get out of their property to make that move up to a bigger home. Uh, we're, we're not talking about trivial uh, you know, I, I'm not selling lawnmowers, nothing against anybody who does that. But this is this is a, this is an important uh, thing for people. So I think what they want is uh, they want someone they, that listens to them, that can understand their needs, can convey and communicate properly, um, you know, what they might recommend, what I would recommend to people, and then work on their behalf. Because when you represent someone, when I'm the, the listing agent, and when we have offers coming in on a property, one offer, multiple offers, whatever it might be, they're looking to me and they're saying, you know, John, this is important to us. You know, what are we going to do? And and my job is not to make any decisions for people or to push them in any way or to try to coerce or manipulate because that that's not conducive to a successful relationship. But my job is to lend them my experience and give them my thoughts. And and really, if, you know, I think knowledge is power. I mean, information is 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 today's currency, really. So if I can, you know, give them proper, accurate information, convey it to them properly, I think that, you know, my client is more, um, the, I, I'd say they were more um, confident and they're better capable and able to make good decisions. And then when they go to sleep at night and I come home and to my bed and go to sleep at night, we all feel good that we 
put the best possible effort in to get the best possible result. And I want my clients to feel they make good decisions. And, you know, I think that the listeners who, who hear this program regularly hear that from the testimonials of people who come on the program. So that's my focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint. And uh, one of the reasons why uh, you call yourself Johnny Smartpoint is, I, I guess, another thing that's in your toolbox, another thing in your arsenal, which is value, because you're a 2% realtor. So describe why that's important. Well, um, consumers have options. Let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I recognize that. And, you know, as a, as, as a realtor who charges a 2% commission, my commission structure is more attractive than the vast majority of other options out there. There are lots of different options, and I've said it many times that commissions are uh, negotiable depending on who you're dealing with, and they vary. There's no set rates, but my commission structure compared to the vast majority of agents, real estate agents that, are, that my clients say they talk to and get quotes from, you save them some money. But again, you got to recognize that what's that old joke, Martin, about the gum that tastes terrible, but the flavor lasts a long time. You know, it's, (laughs) you know, value is not just cost value, um, you know, has, has more than that. So there's the performance aspect of it. So I came up with the idea of, uh, of smart point in recognition uh, of the fact that people have options out there. And if I'm a, a, a home seller, let's just say looking to hire a professional to represent me in that sale. I want to be in the smart point. I want to have, uh, first and foremost, again, we've discussed it, somebody that I can trust and work with, with the right skill set to get me maximum results, because who would want to hire, for instance, uh, a lawyer based only uh, on, you know, on the fees if they're, you know, up on a charge to go to prison for 100 years. Obviously, you know, the performance is more important than, you know, the, the cost. So the smart point to me represents the meeting point where, excellent performance and track record and experience meet a commission structure that is just more attractive than most of the other options. And and to me, it's, you know, I I try to make it, you know, what you might call a no brainer to work for me. And that's been part of the reason that I've, you know, been successful and busy over all these years. Right. We're talking to John Carlson. We've got about a minute left. So we talked earlier about how the inventory is still relatively low. Uh, The number of sales is low as well. So what do you say really quickly to somebody who might be a little on the fence uh, and they have a maybe a piece of property that they want to sell? What's your message to them? Well, I guess my message would be let's talk about it because uh, neither myself nor anyone else is 100% sure about what's going to happen in the market in the foreseeable future. Uh, I have my opinions and I have some information that may back up those opinions. But let's remember back prior to COVID, I think it was the CMHC, Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, is a great big company that follows real estate market. They predicted that the market was going to drop by 20%. It ended up going up 40%. So you have to be careful about forecasters. You want to look at your personal situation. You want to look at the timing. You want to look at the, I guess, the the probability or the balance of probabilities and make a decision that works for you. Just know Mm -hmm. if you're listening to me right now that I'm not going to pressure you to get your signature on a listing agreement today so that I can go out and, you know, have a listing. I'm going to give you the information and when the time's right for you and we want to work together, we'll do a good job together and, uh, you know, we'll make sure you're satisfied and get the best possible result. Go to johnnysmartpoint.com to find out everything you need to know about John Carlson. You can also give him a call 604-612-0080. We will talk to you soon, John. Congratulations on the anniversary of meeting your wife and uh, have a great rest of the weekend. 
Thanks. I'm looking forward to seeing you in two weeks. Yeah, we'll see you then. Still to come on Vancouver Consumer with all the talk of privacy on our cell phones and banning TikTok from government phones, we are approaching a pretty big anniversary when it comes to the history of the cellular phone. And you might be surprised who the first cell phone call ever was sent to. That story is next when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. A big story this week is that the federal government announced a ban on the TikTok app being installed on all government-issued mobile devices. A lot of the provinces, including B.C., have followed suit with their government employees as well. The feds say there's no evidence that the app has been used to spy on government employees. They're just being extra careful. TikTok's parent company, of course, is partly owned by the Chinese government. And with that issue top of mind, it's interesting to note that we are about a month away from the 50th anniversary of the very first cell phone call. It was April 3rd, 1973, on the streets of New York, when the man who has become known as the father of the cell phone, Martin Cooper, made the very first call from a handheld portable wireless telephone. Of course, that cell phone was a little different than the one in your pocket right now. The 1973 version of the cell phone weighed two and a half pounds and was 11 inches long. Cooper and his team at Motorola had been working on the DynaTAC prototype phone only for the previous five months or so before taking it out on the street for a test run. But it worked and it made history. So who did he call? to mark the historic occasion, the first ever cell phone call. Well, Martin Cooper actually dialed the rival engineers at Bell Labs, which was owned by AT&T. So it's good to know that the very first and very historic cell phone call was made to rub it into the competition. It would be like uh, when the U.S. landed on the moon. And instead of saying the famous line, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, Neil Armstrong had instead said, in your face, Russia. But it was a historic phone call and it literally changed the world. And last week, Martin Cooper, who made the call, was talking about its importance. Cooper is now 94 years old. And he told reporters last week that back in 73, he didn't really have a sense that he was making history when he dialed that call on the two and a half pound brick of a cell phone. He said at the time, his only concern was that the thing would work, but it did. And within a few years, the cell phone had changed everything. These days, Martin Cooper is concerned, like many of us, about the negative effects that cell phones have had on society, such as the rapid spread of harmful content, especially among kids, and of course, lack of privacy. Cooper says his biggest worry is that people just don't have any privacy anymore because everything about us is being recorded and stored and is accessible to anybody with the desire to get it. Still, Cooper says he's amazed by how far cell phone technology has come in the past 50 years, and he believes that the technology's best days may be ahead of it when it comes to things like education and healthcare. He says between the cell phone and medical technology and the internet, quote, we are going to conquer disease. Cooper also says he envisions a future in which cell phones are charged by our own bodies. 
He says it's not that outlandish an idea. He says you ingest food, you create energy. So why not have this receiver for your ear embedded under your skin and powered by your body? And Cooper figures the privacy issues will be resolved, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, He believes uh, smartphone use by children is another area that needs limits. One idea he has is to have various internets curated for different audiences, like little kids. As for his own phone use, Cooper says he checks email on his phone and he does online searches for information to settle dinner table arguments, but that's about it. One thing, though, that the inventor of the cell phone does admit he still doesn't know what TikTok is. So there's that. This is Vancouver Consumer. Coming up, more on the federal government's ban on TikTok for government employees. Should we all be worried? That's next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.